one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Match Ball. The show is brought to you by Levi Solicitors. There's a 10% discount on your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. I'm Dan Moylan. Hello. And I have with me Michael Normanson. Hello. And Moscow White's Daniel Chapman. Hello. This show then is all about charting our journey in real time, 30 years on to the day, from promotion in 1990 to the moment we lifted the league title in 1992. And today, where are we? What's our location? Ellen Road. It's been a while in the league, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Funny these league games, aren't they? Let's show we win one. Yeah, well, we've had loads of bloody cup games at Ellen Road. Um, nothing here since January when we faced Luton Town. And here's another blockbuster clash for you in the top flight against Coventry City. A glamorous side at the, with uh, people like Steve Grizovich and Brian Kilkline. Well, there's some glamour with Dean Emerson. If you had uh, Lake and Palmer with him, it would be a, <laughs> a beautiful thing. And Mickey Jin, obviously a, a Leeds bet noir from the FA Cup semi-final in 1987. We owe them one for that. Still got a little bit of PTSD. I mean, I know it's four years ago, a bit of cup semi-final PTSD about Coventry, to be absolutely fair. But the crowds have turned out at Ellen Road today, just shy of 29,000 there to witness us beat Coventry 2-0. A nice, solid, routine home win, it felt like, in the end. But before we get to the end point of the game, let's have a look at the lineups as they were announced earlier on today. Uh, John Lukic, Mel Sterland, Mike Whitlow, Chris Fairclough, Chris White... Then in midfield, we've got Batty, Strachan, McAllister, Speed, with Bobby Davison making a return to the starting lineup up front alongside Lee Chapman with Beglin and Shutt on the bench. So Jim Beglin back from being freshly crowned a father. He was, wasn't his wife had given birth, was it last week? So uh, congratulations to Jim. He doesn't look too tired. Those uh, sleepless nights not keeping him awake too much, I don't think. And Gordon Strachan back from his hurty hip after Paul Lintz gave him a kick. And um, Bobby Davidson's been out with a knee injury that stretched back to the end of uh, the promotion season. So strange in a way that Carl Schultz's been in good form, but Davison knocking them in in the reserves, so back in the team. A lot of names in this lineup too give us flashbacks to 1987. A Grizovic in goal. I remember Steve Grizovic scoring a goal at some point in the 1980s. A goalkeeper scoring a goal? I'll Un- never catch on. Unheard of, yeah. Brian Killerkill Klein at the back. And I, remember, the- I remember watching him play for Halifax Town. In his later career, what a player. Uh, Brian Killerkill Klein, we've got Andy Pierce, uh, Brian Burrows, Ray Woods, Dean Emerson, Mickey Jin, Lee Hurst, uh, not the comedian, David Smith, I say comedian, uh, Kevin Gallagher, Cyril Regis, and then on the bench, Lloyd McGrath and Stuart Robson with the player manager 
who was touted to be just a straightforward player for us not too long ago, you will remember. Terry Butcher, just before we played them at, at Highfield Road, he turncoated on us, although Wilco denied we were ever interested, and went to them. Too good to miss, wasn't it? The opportunity to manage Coventry. Hard to imagine, really. Too good to miss, but I mean, Coventry were fine, weren't they? But if you liked relegation battles, they were a good team to manage during the 90s. And it looks like we got away with one because he's only played seven games out of 19 since he's been there because his knees are as knackered as Graham Souness thought they were when he decided to get rid of him. So we didn't need another broken old, probably a little bit of an unfair link, but Peter Haddock is out for the season. <laughs> um, so having too many broken defenders around the place wouldn't be necessarily a good thing. At least Wilco's... Um keeping it chipper after that Southampton game, which you'll remember if you listen to the match ball from the Dell. Uh, last week, he said, was it the worst performance since he'd taken charge in 1988? Yeah, but he's being positive about things. We're in one of the toughest divisions in world soccer, yet here we are in fourth place in the fourth in the first division, not the fourth division, after eight seasons in the second. At the moment, we've exceeded expectations, but we know that we will be judged on what we've achieved at the end of the season. Echoes of Bielsa there, this season actually, saying let's just wait, there's still time for things to go uh, spectacularly wrong. All right. Could still be at Wembley, couldn't we, in the ZDS Cup? And what sort of a game do you think it was today then? I mean, I mean, one stat in particular leaps out from the, the post-match stats that suggest it wasn't necessarily a free-flowing affair. I mean, it's a Dean Smith type performance from Coventry, apart from the fact that we won. Yeah, 44 free kicks, 15 minutes of players receiving treatment. <laughs> Doesn't sound like one you'd probably be buying the VHS of. I don't think it'll be in the club shop. Six shots on target, all by Leeds, which does tell you something about the uh, the the flow that uh, we were the good team. Twenty five of those forty four fouls were by Coventry, there were, as well as the uh, so those forty four free kicks were all for fouls. There were <laughs> there were thirteen um, stoppages for offsides. <laughs> as well um, so, so what's that 58 stoppages so let's round it up to 60 I don't have a breakdown that's, on that's this, something uh, that's a whistle every 40 seconds isn't it something like that I don't know or, a minute, or every minute and a half sorry and we're not even talking about the ball going out for goal kicks throw-ins corners here are we there were a lot of um, corners was the ball in play well. at all <laughs> there were, we had four corners they had nine it's absolute misery as um, Gordon Strachan said it was one of those games where you have to don the boiler suit and get working. That is really, then, when you factor in the uh, the corner kicks, a stoppage every one minute or thereabouts. So what you might call a, a slightly scrappy affair. Fragmented, but two wonderful goals. Absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> who was that zippy winger who set up the first one with an absolute magical piece of skill? It's nice when, when wingers do that thing where they knock the ball around one side, run around the other... It's Mel Sterling doing that, but the defender gets in his way. And because it's the early 90s... Do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of back in the day before they upgraded the A1 into a three-lane motorway, we'd get the lorry in there, and then a lorry would try and overtake it. So one's doing 50 miles an hour, and then one is doing 49 miles an hour just next to it, and it'd take you about 10 minutes to watch one lorry get around the other one before you could overtake them in the Presumably end. one lorry didn't then just smash into the other one and, <laughs> and knock it out of the way, because no. that's what happens here. No, But well done, Melvin. It's a fair shoulder challenge, as they would have said in those days, I'm sure. And he, he crosses it in. McAllister's shot is... It's through a crowded box, in fairness to Grizovic, isn't it? I think there's Chapman and Davison both somewhere in front of him when he, the shot reaches him and he palms it out. And It's, it's uh, kind of... It's a cutback, isn't it, from, from Mel? Uh, yeah, he cuts it back to the edge of the box and then when it, it falls to Davison, a 
few yards out and can't really miss from where he is. But although Chapman does Chapman look slightly offside to you there at the far post? He's certainly in the keeper's eye line. I think in 2021 that's not given. You've got to remember though, there's the player that. Mel Sterland has just murdered in the other corner of the pitch That's, so he, he's yeah. probably still laying down recovering from <laughs> his broken ribs and shoulder Coventry did have a moan about whether there was anybody offside or not but um, I think the general consensus was there was not and they were just slowing the game down because that's what it needed and the luxury of a single camera angle means we don't have to view it we can just <laughs> assume it was fine trust the linesman that's what I say uh, so that goal came after uh, after 29 minutes but we've had a blow earlier on for Coventry, at least anyway, earlier on in the uh, in the game. Uh, White has collided with uh, Brian Kilkline and he's gone off after 19 minutes. That's given us a, a nice chance at the back, hasn't it, to uh, to get behind them. We started uh, the better team. Uh, Cyril Regis nearly scored an own goal. Um, Sterling put a long throw in, and Gary Speed had a couple of goals at Grizovic, not goals at him. He had a shot at him and then nearly caught Grizovic out, and then another. He had a headed chance, but headed it straight at him. So. We were on top, but then I think the early signs of uh, Coventry's style when um, Lee Hurst got booked for a foul on Strachan. Speed and Batty both got booked for us as we kind of fought our way back into it. And that's all before the goal as well. Yeah, and then after the goal, I don't know what happened to Coventry really. They seemed to just give up on the game and just resort to just trying to kick us. Not playing pure football like Leeds United then. Six, <laughs> six shots on target. To be fair, I mean, it does play into the narrative that we discussed earlier um in the season about wanting a strong start from Wilco's side and trying to get in front in the first 20 minutes, half an hour. And we managed to achieve it right on the the cusp of half an hour anyway. And it's, it's becoming a hallmark of this side. And then it means that we can keep a team like Coventry who are in the relegation places at arm's length until, I mean, not much else happened in the game. So we just skipped to 87 minutes, 2-0 and a big sigh of, yeah, that sorted it. And Chris White on the score sheet this time to make it uh, to another thing of beauty I mean Bielsa would be casting longing eyes at this one wouldn't he I mean it's a set piece which it feels like we stopped scoring from set pieces there was a time when we scored one every week so it's good to get back on that I suppose but um, yeah Strachan with a free kick over almost almost in the corner it's nearly but it's practically on the northeast corner spot isn't it just slightly in yeah and then White wins the first header almost goes in but it's blocked on the line then it drops back to him and he, he finishes it off there's quite a, a telling reaction by the crowd did you notice that there wasn't a kind of a pandemonium yeah you know when it goes 2-0 it was just kind of a hey almost like that probably shows the amount of threat Coventry carried in the game that it's like well we're going to win this 1-0 let's just play it out and then you score another and it's like ah there we go I can get out for the bus now now I know it's 2-0 there was some indication quite a lot of people had already gone for the bus as well I think that's why it was um, quite muted by the end the the crowd was not as big as it was at the start but Strachan summed it up well afterwards when he said you look at a 2-0 scoreline three points have a glance at the league table and you think, yeah, that's smashing. <laughs> and it is. Wilkinson happy with it as well. There are no bad wins. We'd lost two games on the trot and it's good to win again. All true. Probably the kindest thing you can say about that game. It wasn't a thing of beauty, was it? No, it was It was a pig in lipstick. We did need a win though, because when did we last win in the league? It was January, the Luton game, wasn't it? Yeah, and, um, and Wilkinson was saying as well that we'd not really had a good league performance since Boxing Day when we beat Chelsea 4-1 and Whitlow smashed in at the goal of the season. So trying to get some league form back after all the interruptions with the Cups is kind of the the priority. Get some wins, keep in touch with Crystal Palace and maybe try and get into Europe. And this turned out to be quite a significant win when you look at the table at the end of this one. Some of the other significant results from teams around us. uh, Palace were just ahead of us in the league. They beat Southampton two goals to one. 
Man United lost 3-2 at Chelsea. Young lad, young upstart by the name of Dorigo scored in that game. And it left the table with Arsenal at the top, played 26, 57 points. Liverpool on the same points, but having played 27, so a game extra. Palace now played 28, 52 points. We are two games behind them, having played 26 and 46 points. But this is quite a significant one. Man City in fifth place, played 27, so a game more than us but they're five points behind on 41. So all looking good at the minute. That means we get into the Champions League, doesn't it? Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We thought we'd left behind the lower divisions. Division two, a distant memory, uh, something we saw in the rearview mirror disappearing over the, uh, over the horizon sometime in early May 1990, but it's not quite done and dusted yet, or is it? Well, Bournemouth were dropping off into Division 3 as we moved up. Obviously, there were some events at Bournemouth in and around the game <laughs> that warranted some further discussion in the, the opinion of, in this case, Parliament. We had the results in February. It happened while um, all the cup shenanigans were going on. An all-party Commons committee had a chat about what happened when the riots happened around our promotion and concluded properly it was not our fault. It was the Football League's fault for ignoring police warnings to move the game. Always said it. Football League, corrupt. Leeds fans, angels. The Football League tried to claim that um, the scheduling of the event was a hiccup. And the MPs hmm. the MPs <laughs> have countered by describing it as a grievous blunder that they uh, didn't take the advice from police and the football clubs involved that the game should not be held on that date, on a bank holiday weekend at the end of the season. And their opinion was that if you want to get to the root cause of why everything went so badly wrong at Bournemouth, which you have to say, I mean, the testimony of people in Bournemouth who had their property smashed up and had screwdrivers chucked at their heads just because they were, you know, running a bar. The cause of all that, the MP said, it was an event that should never have occurred because we should not have been playing Bournemouth on that day in that place under those circumstances and would not have been if the Football League 
had done its job properly. Yeah, absolutely. And let's not forget, I mean, look, we cannot absolve Leeds fans of all responsibility of this course. We can't because there was a hell of a lot of disorder went on. But the warnings were all given ahead of time. They said, this is a really bad idea putting us there. Bank holiday weekend, as it turned out, boiling hot. So the sun made a lot of people want to travel. And I'm thirsty. Yes. But as it transpired, you know, a game that was completely crucial for our promotion. And the point is all the signs were pointing to it, but the, the Football League did refuse to listen. Yeah. And then once the game was scheduled, Leeds did everything they could to stop people going. There was Vinnie Jones putting things out on uh, Look North saying... Good level-headed guy. Well, I think the idea was, you know, the hooligans listen to Vinnie, so we'll have Vinnie talking to the hooligans. And there was capacity in Leeds on the day for 7,000 people to watch the game in cinemas and theatres and public spaces, um, which was more than our average travelling attendance. So Leeds said, like, we'll do everything we can so that everybody wants, wants to see this game can stay in Leeds and watch it. But it was, you know, once the game was scheduled, it was kind of out of everybody's control. And so one of the, the recommendations from the, the MPs going forward is better cooperation that the league and clubs and police should get together before games and have a chat, maybe see if there's anything they need to sort out. Which I believe they may do in 2021. They also, other recommendations, they want an end to stadium alcohol bans so that there's more control over where people are drinking and how much they're drinking. Improved stadiums with hooligan-proof seating and action on centrally controlled hooligan gangs because their their general message was that most football supporters are fine, but the problems, a lot of the problems are being organised and that's something that needs to be tackled and then most people's behaviour will fall into line if you're not just letting them get massively pissed <laughs> well, it's, at it, a beach. It's good to know that Leeds United, 30 years on, are still listening to the advice there about limiting the amount that people can drink because it's really, really difficult to get served in the cop bar at halftime. So well done, everyone, for implementing sensible guidance. Some other good ideas from Leeds United Secretary Alan Roberts welcomed all the suggestions and went further. He would like an end to segregation, which Howard Wilkinson also used to talk about this quite a lot, (laughs) that instead of having fans separated and being caged off from each other, you let them sit next to each other and enjoy the, enjoy the match together, friendly. And to, how do you bring this about? Well, Alan Roberts says perhaps there should be exchange schemes between supporters' club branches, just like those operated between British and European school children. I can see the parallels. You have to have a, a Millwall fan come and live with you for, for the week. <laughs> exactly. He says, a direct quote from uh, Alan Roberts, for instance, Leeds fans could have Chelsea fans as their guests before a match and vice versa. You're not going to punch people on the nose if you've just spent the last 48 hours with them. I mean, for God's sake, I've seen Leeds fans punching other Leeds fans on the nose because they're falling out about stuff in the stands. <laughs> it's, I'm not sure I'm necessarily on the same page. Although, they've shown, haven't they, like in um, in the Netherlands, that at certain road junctions, if you take out all the, the traffic measures, such as traffic lights and, and signposts and guidance, and actually leave people to use their common sense, it made people a lot more considerate on the roads and you know give way and work things out on a logical basis. Oh, you arrived at the junction first, sir. Why don't you proceed ahead of me rather than leaning out the window and calling each other effing C's and things Maybe like that? Maybe it's just the way you're so tired of fighting after 48 hours living with a Chelsea fan that by the time the game comes around, you just, you've both got broken arms and black eyes and your noses are all out, or Steve Grizovich'd, and you're just thinking, oh, do you know what? Let's just watch the game today. I've had enough of this. I mean, I could sort of see the logic of meeting up 
on the morning of a game. And I think that happens in, in some cases, some sports clubs, they do go and find there'll be a, a, a boozy do organised in a, a pub at the away ground and it'll happen on the morning and everything will be fine. 48 hours living with a Chelsea fan. I think, I mean, I'm not a violent person, but two days of living with some fucking scumbag dog. <laughs> Getting your jelly deals in and everything. Banging on about Kerry Dixon for two days. <laughs> I think it would make please, me want to punch him on just, the nose. Just punch me, knock me out, please. Make it end. Uh, make it go away. Yeah, well, interesting to watch whether that one uh, makes it into... Um, into common thought and uh, whether football decides that mixing everybody in the stadium is the way to go. Hmm. One of our other directors, Maxwell Holmes, uh, has also got concerns about rising police costs. Always reminded me of the coffee brand, Maxwell House. Sorry. Um, he thinks some smaller clubs could go to the wall. The average cost of a Leeds home game to police it is £8,500 per game, but Leeds are working with private security firms um, and their own stewards to try and reduce the level of policing. So there's a bit of a change from just filling the whole place with coppers to filling it with bouncers. <laughs> uh, well, again, we'll watch and see how that one works. Okay. Are we going to buy anybody, by the way? Because the transfer deadline's approaching. It's only a couple of weeks off now. Can we get somebody in? You didn't get that in the uh, early 90s, did you? Yeah, it's, you didn't. It almost didn't exist, the transfer window, did it? It was just kind of open till near the end of the season and then it shut. And they locked they locked it down a few weeks from the end so you didn't get too much of a piss take towards the end going on like buying up all the good talent so you could win the league. But we still want a striker, don't we? So the papers say we are being linked with Alan McCoist, John Aldridge, Delian Atkinson and John Taylor of Cambridge United who are having a, a high-scoring season. I think he's forming a partnership with young Dion Dublin was that their their per- period when they just used to twat the ball forwards really long? Yeah, so you can see why Wilkinson might be interested in uh, in one of their forwards. But he says, Wilkinson himself says, put them all in. Beardsley, Barnes, Merson, the lot. I mean, I'd be up for that. Could have all of them. I mean, <laughs> do we need another striker? We probably do, don't we? Well, Chapman is scoring all the goals when they get scored, apart from this weekend. Obviously, it's good to see Bobby Davison coming back with a goal on his returned from injury but when you look around uh, McAllister hasn't really I know he got that one in the cup against QPR didn't he and then there was one in the league at least Speed with his header at Palace might have got another one as one not seen a goal from David Batty since about 1802 <laughs> and Strachan sets them all up but well, he's too busy many. taking the corners isn't he he can't, yeah. he can't- create them and, and score them himself but it does tend to be it's either Chapman or Chris White or Chris Fairclough and there is that argument you look at it reflected again in 2021 about levelling the squad up when you get in there you cement your place and then you start to kick on by adding to the areas of the team that, that need to be improved from uh, from your promotion side and yeah absolutely why not we'll, uh, we'll see if we sign some more attacking flair and Wilkinson has more to say on other matters he wants the league extended because the ZDS Cup is now dragging on along with all our other cup games it's turning into a right old fast, despite what you may have said after the Southampton game. <laughs> the Barnsley versus Everton fixture has still not been played because Oakwell is waterlogged. I've got a feeling that might play into Everton's hands, you know. And then they tried to play it again two days later after the original fixture, still waterlogged. And there's talk that they might have to move it to Huddersfield. Basically, the problem with the ZDS Cup is that the final is booked at Wembley for April the 7th. And it is now March the 9th. I.e. not long. Not long to fit in both Everton at Barnsley 
And then whoever wins that has to play a two-legged Northern Area final against Leeds. And the plan, Leeds are just, after all the cup chaos, finalised a fixture list for the rest of the season, published it, and then the Barnsley-Everton game got called off. So it's all up in the air again. And um, Howard Wilkinson says the suggestions that are coming from the Football League is to play Arsenal, who are the leaders of the first division, on Sunday, which is the television match. And then Tuesday and Thursday, we play the two legs of this ZDS final. And then on Saturday, we're playing Crystal Palace, who are third and who are our rivals for a European spot. And as Wilkinson says, it is getting past a joke. And he would like, uh, he'd like a solution because it's not our fault, he points out. We've not been sat on our backsides, not having had a game postponed for pitch problems, apart from when people have moved our games for TV. And at the end of the day, we are asked to be the patsies and bail everyone out. Oof. Fight and talk, innit? Fight and talk. And let's not forget that 30 years ago, the idea of, you know, we've seen the, the, the seasons being moved due to the pandemic and football has been a lot more receptive to that. 30 years ago, the idea of tinkering with the football calendar was it's just not heard of, is it? Well, Wilkinson would like it to be heard of. He would like our game with Palace to be postponed. And so we would play the second leg of the ZDS final on the weekend, I would think. So it goes Sunday. Wednesday, Saturday, and we play them after the end of the season. Because as he says, the game would be of no importance to anyone else apart from us and Palace. So just delay it, play it later. Well, let us see then how that one pans out too, because we will return after our trip to Highbury. We're playing Arsenal away on March the 17th. Oh, good. <laughs> hey, we're doing all right. Don't 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 give up hope yet. We'll be fine. I mean, I'm sure they concede a lot of goals. We'll catch up with you then. The Matchball. 